I'm excited to be here uh, this morning. We're going to pick up uh, where we left off. So we're actually going to wrap up this series uh, that we started a few weeks back, right? Small faith. Uh, have you all been enjoying this message? Uh, as I hope it's showing you something new. I've already been talking to some people, uh, and they've just, I've been hearing that phrase. It might be part of our lingo. You know, I have enough faith. It's a, a small faith. God doesn't call me to bigger faith, right? He's given me enough. And so I hope it's kind of challenged you. Uh, and I really believe that the, the things that we teach and preach on Sunday mornings have a, a tendency to manifest itself in our lives. And so I, I hope and pray that, that that clicked for us. And it's excited me. It really has. Uh, we'll go ahead and look at that, that first point. We're going to go ahead and recap before we get into the, the new part of our message. And I'd just like to go ahead and say thank you, too, for our very own uh, youth pastor, Pastor Forrest, uh, filling in for me last week. I love you, sir. You did a great job. Uh, I actually got to watch from home. I uh, heard a lot of great things, so thank you for doing that for me. Uh, it, it, was, it was great. So, um, But that, that's, let's look at that first point. We'll hit some recap points. And so this is really what we've been talking about, small faith, right? Small faith is a, it's, it's a shift. Somebody say shift uh, in our thinking. It moves us from disqualified to qualified. Small faith qualifies us to live the life that God has for us. And so this is the shift I'm talking about. We really have to just... Uh, shift not just our thinking, but we have to shift our, our focus, right? And we, and, and we have to see that uh, the faith that God has given me uh, is enough. If I believed him once, if I believe him now, no matter what I'm going through or what I have yet to go through, uh, he can do it for me. The impossible can be made possible in my life because he's done it for me before, right? It's a, it's a shift of our thinking. And it's really when I have that shift of my thinking and my focus that it brings me back, right? It brings me back. It reels me back because we have a tendency to get off into all sorts of crazy places and thinking in our mind. And we try and do God's job. And I try and, and do all this on my own, right? And it disqualifies, my, disqualifies me from the kingdom of God because I'm not doing it God's way, right? But if I remember that all I have to do is believe that he is well and able and he'll, he can do it for me. Amen. He can do it for me. Let's look at that, uh, that, that next scripture. It's really our foundational scripture. It comes out of Matthew 17, uh, verse 19 through 20, right? And this is, this is what Jesus said, right? He's with the disciples, and he's talking about the type of faith uh, that we need. He says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Somebody say, we'll move. And nothing will be impossible for you, right? So Jesus says, you don't need bigger faith. The, the problem was you didn't believe. You had unbelief. You forgot really what you're believing in. Sometimes we forget what we're, what we're even doing. or What am I really trusting in? Am I trusting in? And, and, and myself, am I trusting in my family? Am I trusting in my boss, my job? He says that because of your unbelief. He says if you would have had just faith as small as a mustard seed, right? And you've all seen a mustard seed. It's really small, about as small as you can, can, can get. He says if you had that, that type of faith, that amount of faith, it would have been enough. It would have been enough to, for the impossible things to be made possible to you. Let's look at that next point. So Jesus, he didn't say we need big faith. He didn't say we need more faith, right? He said small faith, the mustard seed-like faith, 
was enough to move mountains, and nothing would be impossible to us. He says, the, the faith of a mustard seed is enough. And if you believe, or if we have believed before, if you're here this morning and you believe, then, then it's enough for, for what God wants to do in and through us. That next point, <clears throat> excuse me. We said God never asks us to do the impossible, but he does ask us to believe through faith that the impossible is possible, right? See, he never asks us to do the impossible. That's where we miss it. That's where we mess up. See, we, we, we forget who we are in Christ, right? He doesn't ask us to do the impossible, but we have to believe that the impossible is possible. I want you to hear me this morning. You have to remember this. You can't, but he can. Anything that you're going through, anything that you're believing for, something that you're maybe trying to change about your life that you don't like, uh, whatever it is, apart from Christ, you cannot accomplish that thing. You might experience success for a season. You might experience temporary uh, happiness for a season, but it won't last. Only God can fill that God-sized hole in your heart. What did Jesus say, right? He said, I am the vine, and you are merely the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so he is the only one that can. We can't, but he can. So we have to remember that as we're, as we're, we're, we're living for him, as we're cultivating this daily relationship with him, as, we're, as we are professing what we say we believe in, right? Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so this is the, really the biblical definition of what faith is, what it means. We have to have hope and expectation uh, that God's going to do things for us, that he can do things for us. That even though I'm going through something hard, going through something tough, it may seem impossible. It can be made possible through my faith, right? And, and he can do it for me. And it's the evidence of things to hope for, not yet seen. We have to pray, pray for the things and believe for the things that we're praying for as though that they already are. And we have to speak those things by faith as though that they already are. And that doesn't, that doesn't make you a liar either when you do that. Because you have to, by faith, declare and speak the promises of God. You know, his promises are, are strong enough. They're good enough. Ian's words, just my positivity or my good words are not enough, but God's word will stand. Amen? And so that's exactly what faith is, Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's the faith of substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, things that have not yet happened. We have to believe it, expect it, and speak it and know it to be true. That leads us into our next point. We said that faith expects the good uh, faith uh, expects and it has hope uh, for the things that God has promised. Faith sees what God says as a reality. And so that's what I'm talking about with our expectation and with our hopes as we pray and as we believe and as we stand in the gap and as we're, we're going through stuff. You have to, to, to have an expectation of good and an expectation of hope. What do your expectations look like? How do you live your life? I know right now uh, the country's going through all sorts of crazy stuff. 
Uh, it's stealing, killing, destroying, not just people and livelihood, but killing and stealing, destroying faith and people's hopes and, and people's expectations that maybe it's going to continue to get worse before it gets better. Uh, if, we, if, if we live for God and our faith is in God, uh, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, if our faith is in a God like that and, and Abba Father, then our expectations have to change. If your faith is in God, your expectations for your life have to change. How can we stand up here and preach the gospel and preach the good news of who Jesus is and all the things that he's done for us and what he's conquered for us and that he loves us and that he forgives us and he accepts us as we are and, and I walk around uh, depressed all the time. It, it's okay to, for a believer to, we experience fear, we experience uh, being scared, we experience bad days, but we can't stay in those places if we truly believe in, in our God. Our expectations have to change. Our hope has to change. We said a couple weeks ago, right, that the world says don't get your expectations up right because you might get hurt. And so that's how we protect ourselves. That's how we guard ourselves. You can't live for God that way. You have to have your expectations up. You have to have your hopes up. And you have to see his promises and his word as reality in your life. Amen? The next point. And so we don't have to do the impossible. You just have to believe that God can. Small faith removes you from the equation and places the weight upon God. When we remember who we are in Christ, right? It's, it's really kind of cool because it frees us. It frees me. The pressure is not ours. The pressure is not yours to have. The burden is. The pressure is not yours, but, but, but the burden that the Holy Spirit gives you is. So don't get it confused. Don't get the pressure of trying to succeed or the pressure to perform or the pressure to, to, to make this miracle happen in your life. That's not yours to have. That Put that pressure on God. But now the burdens to pray for people, the burdens to to change the thing of, in your life that maybe you don't like, or the, the burdens to, for your family, the burdens for whatever you're doing, that's from the Holy Spirit. That's actually what helps move us into a place of faith. And actually, if I use the burdens for his good, it, it drives me to a place of more trust and faith in God. His burdens are designed to, to drive you to your knees to trust in him more because the pressure is his. It's not ours, amen? And you have to believe that he can and that he will. It may not be that day, that week, that month, even that year. Sometimes he does answer prayers in a moment. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Sometimes it takes a while for it to, to happen. But when you get caught in a, in a rock in a hard place or your faith is being tested or, or you're going through something, just remind yourself that he can. If you have a testimony, if you live for Jesus for one day, you have a testimony of something that he's done in your life. And sometimes you got to talk yourself out of that dark place. you got to pray yourself out of that dark place. you got to find a worship song to get yourself out of that place. Sometimes you have to remind yourself of your testimony, of what God's done in your life. No. Five years ago, two years ago, three weeks ago, he, he answered that prayer for me. He, he got me out of that. He pulled me out of that. He's going to do it for me again. Even though I feel this way now, I declare his word. I declare his promises over us, right? That's what he calls us. 
to do. It helps us keep moving forward in our faith. Let's read Mark 11, uh, 23-23. So Jesus answered them and he said, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast it into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, and he'll have whatever he says. And so by faith we have to uh, declare his promises, speak his promises, and we can have whatever we say that we have. Just because you, maybe you don't feel the greatest, you're going through something depressing, you're going through something tough, I know it doesn't necessarily make me feel better right away, but if I continue to pray and continue to believe and continue to declare his word over me, I promise you, you'll, cont- you'll get to a place where you can feel better, where you feel stronger, and where you can begin to believe that he can. Amen? That next point, <clears throat> and this is really what y'all, y'all talked about last week, and Forrest did a great job of really uh, challenging us that, you know, we need God's word, and faith comes by hearing, but it's really by what I speak is what, what I end up receiving, right? It's the power of our words, and our words are really spiritual containers that have the power for life or for death. And so faith comes by hearing, and faith is released, somebody say released, by speaking. When you say what God says, you release faith. You hear, believe, speak, and receive And that's really the steps and the order. We have to hear God's word. We have to believe God's word. We have to speak God's word. And then we can receive. And it really has to be in that order uh, that that God really designed for the the blessings really to come and for our faith to be grown and for victories to be had. Amen. And, y'all, what would happen uh, if the church would start saying what God says? Not in the building. We say that on Sunday mornings. I'm talking about when we leave here Monday through Saturday at our workplaces. If we would declare what God says instead of what CNN says or Fox News says or what I write on my Facebook feed. If we would declare what God says, those spiritual containers have the power to to implement change. And we're talking about faith and expectation and how our faith and expectation as a church has to look, a member of the church I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, has to look different than the faith and expectations of the world. And when I step into that and, 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 and show the world what that looks like, and I'm a reflector piece for Jesus, then maybe faith and expectation in the world would change. If we would, by faith, step into those things, what could happen? What kind of... What kind of uh, expectation would be released, what kind of blessings from God would be released if we did those things, amen. Romans 10, 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so we have, that's how we we grow our faith, that's how we uh, help others grow in their faith. We have to continually be uh, hearing the word of God, speaking the word of God, confessing the word of God over our lives and over situations, circumstances, and those that we love, amen. Let's look at that next point. This is our first new point uh, for, for you this morning. And so I'm, I'm really excited to, to kind of close this out. And it's, I'm excited to dive into it because it's really something that's kind of been on my spirit really since Easter. Uh, and there's a scripture that we're going we're gonna to look at, something Jesus says. It's really a, I look at it as a challenge, something that Jesus says that as a believer, I, I read it and I'm like, how is that possible? How are we going to step into this? How, how, 
But you know what? I believe God's word to be true, all of it. I don't understand it all, but if Jesus said it, then, then, then I, when, when Jesus speaks, I don't know about you, but, but I pay attention a little more. When I read those red letters, my ears kind of perk up, my, my spirit uh, rises, and I, I, I hunker down, and I listen to what Jesus says. And so I'm excited to kind of dive deeper this morning as we close this out. So that first point, it says, uh, small faith turns simple acts of obedience into supernatural. Somebody say supernatural. <laughs> Works because we believe. And so the Lord is just kind of showing me that as I live for God, my obedience needs to, to get stronger, right? It needs to get to be better. Uh, it's our faith that really produces my obedience. So the longer that I live for God, really the more obedient I should be, right? The longer that I live for God, the, the more obedient I should be, the more I should do what he asks of me. Uh, see, but the thing is, uh, sometimes God asks us to do some tough things, right? Am I the only one? See, sometimes when he asks me to do something, I don't necessarily, it might be something hard. And so obedience is hard, but the longer I live for God, the easier my obedience should be. But the thing is, the only way you can be more obedient to God is that you are led by his spirit. If you are led by your flesh, obedience is going to be hard. <laughs> you are going to kick and fuss and scream and cry and be miserable, and you'll say things like, living for God is so hard. Living for Jesus is so hard. And that's because you're doing it all wrong. You can't live for God without the Spirit of God. And it's really the Holy Spirit that helps alleviate that pain and that burden of obedience and what God calls us to do, amen. And so it's our faith that produces obedience. The Lord was showing me that. The longer I live, the more obedient I should be. And it's our obedience that positions us for the supernatural. And so the longer I live for God, the more obedient I should be. And if I want God to use me and if I want supernatural things to happen in my life, then I need to be at the right place at the right time. And if I'm obedient enough over and over and over again, you'll find yourself at the right place at the right time. Your position is everything. You know what, you can be less talented, less gifted, less anointed, but if you're obedient to the Holy Spirit and you're where God wants you to be, supernatural things can happen. You could step into the gifting and calling of somebody else who's more gifted, more called than you are who's being disobedient. Does anybody see what I'm saying? And so it's really uh, our, our, the simple acts of obedience time and time again. Yes, God. Yes, God. Send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. Yes, Lord. Over time, that the more supernatural works can begin to happen in our lives. Let's look at John 14, 12. And this is the scripture I'm talking about that I've really just been, that's really hit me since Easter. I've been studying and praying and just seeking this out. And it's a challenge from Jesus. And y'all have heard it. and Y'all probably know it. Uh, but So there, verse 14, or 12, John 14, 12. It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works. Somebody say same works. So he says, anybody who believes in me will do the same works. If you study that out, same works, what does that really mean? Same works means 
obedience. He says, so if anyone who believes in me will do the same works as me, will be obedient to what I say. He says, so who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. And here it is. And even greater works, somebody said greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus says that we'll do same works, and he says that we'll do even greater works. How is that possible? I don't know. Jesus is Jesus. Jesus is like the dude, right? I say it all the time. He, he did it all. He conquered everything. Uh, salvation and freedom is in his name. Uh, all the signs, wonders, and miracles that he did, we're going to actually look at uh, some of those this morning. Uh, so he says if we believe in him, that we'll do the same works, but that we'll also do even greater works than he did. And as a young pastor, I don't know how to totally wrap my mind around that. I don't know how that's possible, but I know if he said it, it's possible. So we're going to look at some of his miracles this morning. And I kind of want to unpackage and unravel some things that maybe stepping in signs, miracles, and wonders is not as mystical as we may think. That maybe there's some common things that we can do. And all maybe we have to do is have small enough faith and take the pressure off ourselves and trust in God and maybe impossible things, mountains can be moved. Amen. In Jesus' name. And so he says that those who love him and those who believe him will do the same works. And we will only be able to do the same works by his same spirit. Amen. Which is his Holy Spirit. Let's look at that next point. <clears throat> So we can do the same works and even greater works than Jesus, right? Because he, he said it to us. We just read it. It says, but greater works than Jesus because Jesus never did the impossible. And I know some of y'all are thinking, huh? Don't crucify me or anything. <clears throat> We're going to study that out and challenge you. It's, I'm not saying Jesus didn't do impossible things. He did amazing impossible signs, miracles, and wonders. But really, it's... Jesus believed that the impossible was possible. God did the impossible through him because he was faithful and believed and trusted in his Father to do it through him, right? And so it's the same for us as believers. And so that, that, that faith that I'm talking about, that's, what, that's that shift. That's that thing that changes is when I take that pressure off of me and use that burden that God has given me to move me into a place of deeper faith to trust him more and to just be obedient to what he says. Uh, and, and if Jesus says we can do it and believe and do even greater things, then we can. And so let's look at that. Um, let's look at John 21, 25. So the Bible, it records uh, 37 miracles in the New Testament. 37 miracles that Jesus did. And I believe Jesus did them because he believed. He believed and knew who, who he was, who he was called to be, uh, and who his father was. And so there's 37 miracles, and, and today we're just going to look at five of them uh, for time's sake. I'd love to go over all of them, but we're going to give you five. Uh, but in saying that, 37 miracles may seem like a lot, but John 21, 25, what does it say? It says, and there were also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose even the world itself could not contain the books and all that could be written. He says, so these are... If we would have wrote down every amazing thing that he did, every miracle, every sign, every impossible thing, there wouldn't be a library big enough in the world to contain all the things. Amen. And so what, I'm, what I preach and teach today, I don't want to, 
We're not replacing Jesus with ourselves. Jesus is Jesus, but he says that we can do greater works than he. And so I just want to establish that Jesus is Lord. Amen. He's the King of kings. Uh, without him, salvation is not ours. Without him, your life will be a mess. But that he challenges us to do the same things that he did and that we can actually do greater things. And what would happen if we really believed it? See, because I, I believe that you believe Jesus can do amazing things, that he can do impossible things. I, I believe that you believe that. But here's the thing we don't believe. We don't believe that we can do greater things than he did, even though he says it. Why would he say it if he didn't mean it? So do you believe that you can? One person? Amen. We can step in to these things. So let's look at, uh, let's look at the first, that first miracle I wanna, I'll give us. Matthew 9, 28 through 30. <clears throat> it says, and when he came into the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be unto you. And then their eyes were open. Jesus healed somebody that was literally blind, right? But so what did Jesus do? He first what? He asked them if they believe. He asked them, do you believe that I can do this, that you can be made well, that you can be healed? And then what did he do? He simply just touched their eyes, and by their faith, they were healed, right? Is there anything in this scripture that we as believers can't do? If we are leading a small group, if we are leading youth ministry, if we are out at Walmart and the Holy Spirit prompts us, somebody's hurting, someone's broken, so go pray for that person. Can any one of us ask them, hey, do you believe God can heal you from this? Do you believe God can deliver you from this? Do you believe that God can make this better? Can we all do that? We can ask that question, right? And can we all simply just lay hands on and pray? Yes, we can. We can do those things. The supernatural thing that happens, the healing that takes place is from God. But our faith has to be and, and trust that he can. And so I know we're all here this morning, and I'm pretty sure that everybody here can see. No one's actually blind, I don't think. But I wanted to do something different. I want us to do something by faith, something out of the box, something that will get us to, to challenge us. And so maybe none of us are blind, but do you all know that you have blind spots in your life? Spiritual blind spots, things in your life that are not good, things in your life that are selling yourself short, things in your life that everybody else around you that loves and cares about you can see and identify, and they say things like and pray things like, if they could just change this, they'd go to the next level. So maybe none of us are physically blind, but some of us are spiritually blind. And I want to do something by faith this morning as a church. I want us to, let's first, do y'all believe that God can show you your blind spots to make you better? To help you be able to see what God wants to do in your life. If you believe it, that's the first part. The second part, I want you to just take your hands and put them over your eyes, everybody. Just touch your eyes. And I want to go ahead and lead us and pray that God would begin to to show us the blind spots in our life, to show us those things that God wants to make better, to help, to help lead us and guide us into maybe new seasons, new places, new things. 
And so, Heavenly Father, God, right now, God, we, we do what Jesus did. We do same works, God, and even greater things. God, we believe that even through the common things of just touching our eyes, God, we believe, God, that you can show us the blind spots in our lives, Lord. God, I pray we would receive those hard truths, maybe those things that I've been rejecting or denying that aren't there, acting like they're not there and they are, that we would receive those hard truths by your Spirit, God, and that we would receive it so that we would actually empower us to change us. God, because if you could grab a hold of our hearts, God, not only would we be able to just see better and see clearer, God, but we could live better and we could live clearer. God, and you could use us and glory could happen in the earth, Father God. So Lord, I pray right now, God, that they be healed and that they could see. God, that they would see those things that need to change. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. That feel good? That feels good doing that? Amen? We can do those things. I want to challenge you. I know it feels good when a pastor does that, prays over you, kind of leads you into prayer. Y'all, you have the authority to do these types of things in your own personal walk with God. In your quiet time, you need to do these things. Pray over yourselves and believe. Amen? Let's look at that next scripture. Uh, Mark 3, 1 through 5. It says, Jesus went to the synagogue again and noticed a man was with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save, to save life or to destroy it? But they want to answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. And the man held out his hand and it was restored. What did Jesus do? He brought the man before them. He had the man show him his hand so that they could prove that it was. He did have deformed hands. And what happened? His hands were healed. <clears throat> I want to do... Uh, Continue to do this, this, this out-of-the-box thing through these miracles as we go. I want, us to, I want you to take your hands out and look at them. I know maybe none of us have deformed hands, but the Lord was showing me, maybe because we don't have deformed hands, these hands, though, they have the power to do good, and they have the power to do bad, right? And in and of itself is a deformity, because these hands that God has given me, he calls me to lay them on, to, to, to be blessed and to, to, to do works, that the works that I do may prosper through the works of my hands. See, but the thing is, in my disobedience, in my sin, in my selfishness, I take my hands back and, and I, do, I do evil things and I do bad things. So I want you to take your hands out and look at them. I want us to pray over our hands. And I just want to declare God's word over our hands. Amen. So if you believe, I want you to just to, to, to follow along with me as I pray. So, Father God, Lord, I thank you for these hands. God, I thank you that these hands are blessed hands. I thank you that these hands have the power to do good and not do evil. I thank you that the, the, these hands have power for blessings. God, these hands can help other people. God, these hands can be uh, reached out to help raise other people up. Father God, I thank you that these hands can help grow my family and establish my family. God, and these hands can help grow and establish my church and grow and establish my faith. God, so use these hands for good in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
I mean, let's look at John eleven thirty nine forty four. 44. It says, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Who are we talking about here? We're talking about Lazarus, right? He'd been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, <clears throat> did I not say to you that if you would believe that you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his hands and eyes and said to Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he, had, and he who had died came out bound, hand and foot in grave cloths, and his face was wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. What did Jesus do? He, he literally declared something that was, which it wasn't. He declared the dead come forth, right? That the dead come alive. And we have to, by faith, do that same thing. The evidence of faith is things unseen, right? We, we have to declare things as though that they are, even though they're not. Lazarus was dead. Jesus declared him alive and to come forth. And so... I want to challenge us as a church, did you know that maybe some of us have, we have dry bones, we have dead areas, dead spiritual areas in our life. We have uh, tendencies to slip away into lukewarm Christianity. And God wants to shake us up, and he wants us to come alive, and we can't come alive and do the same works, or even greater works that we're reading and talking about this morning, if, if we have dead, dry areas in our lives. Amen. So I want to, everybody, if you believe that God can, can restore you to life, if you need some, some fresh life or fresh winds of his Holy Spirit this morning, I want you just to lift your hands. If you believe in this place, I'm going to go ahead and pray over us. I'm going to declare death to dry bones. I'm going to declare life to those who believe. So Father God, just as Jesus called Lazarus to come forth, God, I declare your word over dry bones, over dead areas, over desert areas, Father God, maybe dry areas that even have the seed, the word of God, lying, waiting dormant, just needing the breath of God, needing watering of God, needing faith and expectation and hope of God to spring those seeds to, to take root and to bring life. And so I declare life in Jesus' name to those who believe. God, I declare life to lukewarm Christianity. Father God, I declare life to those who would expect and believe a greater hope. For those who would get up and do something about their faith and their lives and their families. And to those men and women who are called according to their purpose in Christ Jesus. I declare and I pray by faith. We receive it by faith. And everybody who believes it say amen. Amen. Does that feel good? Does that feel good? You know you can do that? Y'all can pray this stuff over you and you need to do it. When, when you're not feeling at your best, when you're not feeling strong, you got to know that you are strong and more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark 4, 39 through 40. It says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? What did Jesus do? Man, he does what he always does. He flipped the flow, right? He declared faith over fear. And so we have to declare faith over our fears. 
the storm, the storm in the story that the Lord was showing me, it really represents the devil and the devourer in your life. We all go through storms. We all have seasons. We all have storms. And what happens? We fight and we fight and we try to do things our way. We have ideas. Uh, we, we have good ideas and, and not God ideas. We try to fix our problems. And, and the disciples did the same thing. What did they do? They forgot that Jesus was in the boat. And Jesus was in the boat. Don't forget that Jesus is with you. All you got to do is wake him up. And when you wake him up and you sit at his feet, he begins to give you revelation. He begins to speak to you and show you things that you've never seen or even perceive or know. And a word of God, a, a scripture pops in your spirit and you remember. And things happen. And, and we have to declare faith over fear. You know, in the world's crazy right now, I feel like there's a lot of fearful people and fearful Christians. And it's, it's death, it's despair, it's destruction. The, what did Jesus say to the devil? He came to the thief, but the kill still and destroy. John 10, 10, right? That is literally what's happening in our world. And so you've got to remember that you have authority in Christ. So I want to do something bold this morning. I want everybody to stand up. Y'all didn't know you were going to Catholic church today, huh? Sit, stand, sit, stand, kneel, pray. I want to do exactly what Jesus did. I want, if you believe that you can speak peace, be still in the storm, whatever your storm is in your life, I want you to extend your hand out, just like Jesus. And I want you to think of that storm. I don't know what your storm is. Only you do. If it's, if it's something, if you need healing, or if it's a relationship, or if it's something you're praying or believing for, or a, a job, a new job, a new opportunity, whatever it is. If it's trying to kill, steal, and destroy, you need to speak, speak peace to that thing. And so I want us to, to declare that by authority this morning. So focus on that storm as I pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for these believers and children of God, men and women of God of faith. God, and we speak to all the storms in this room right now in Jesus' name. They have no authority in this place. We're talking about same work, same spirit this morning, Father God. Jesus said we can do the same things and even greater things. So by faith right now, just as Jesus spoke to the storm and the wind and the waves, we speak peace, be still in Jesus' name to these storms. Storms of life, storms of relationships. Storms of doubt, storms of fear. God, and I declare a spirit of peace. I declare a spirit of faith. I declare a spirit of expectation. I declare a spirit of hope. God, and I declare a spirit of joy. God, that the peace can be still. God, and that there is a new day and that joy comes in the morning. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Have somebody say amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Y'all can take your seats. Take him back what the enemy is trying to steal from us. Amen? Let's read Matthew 14, 15 through 20. It says, That evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it is getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That is not necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked upward to heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed, or distributed them to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Somebody say leftovers. Did you know that you serve a God of more than enough? More than enough. And we forget that we serve a God of more than enough. What did the disciples struggle with? They, they struggled with doubt. 
and they're afraid. All they saw was, was five loaves and two fish and 2,000 people, right? We would all do the same thing. But what did Jesus do? He, he, he knew who his provider was. He knew that his father was the provider of more than enough. And so we can't forget that. And see, what happens is we forget and we lose sight of the blessing that we already have. And do you know that you are a blessed people? Even if it is five loaves and two fish, metaphorically speaking, that's blessed. If you live in America today, if you live in Alabama today, you are blessed. Running water, electricity, food in your cabinets, clothes on your back, a, hopefully a car, a dependable car to get you to point A to point B, a job hopefully, or if not, some kind of income to help take care of you and your family on TV and the internet and phone and Facebook and all this stuff. You are blessed according to world standards. And if you focus on the things that you don't have, it'll rob you from the joy of the things that you have. And not just rob you from the joy, rob you from using that blessing that you already have to reproduce itself into another blessing for people out there. Jesus knew that five loaves and two fish was more than enough to bless the people who were hungry. And so if you don't see your blessed life, your blessing that you already have as a blessing for other people, you'll miss it. And so I just want to pray over our baskets this morning. You know, you got baskets? You got some baskets? So I just want us to lift our hands again. I want to pray over your baskets and how blessed you are this morning. Father God, we thank you for the blessings that we already have. God, even if it is, if, forgive us if we see it as just five loaves and, and just two fish. God, it, it's not just, it is. Five loaves and two fish is more than enough. God, and so we thank you, Lord. I, I thank you for all these families and, and, and believers represented. God, and that they see how blessed they are, that it give them joy. And not just give them joy, that it give them a, a plan and, and a purpose that they can see that they can bless other people because of how blessed that they are. That they can be a blessing to their church, to their family, to their friends, to somebody hurting and broken who needs help. Father God, and so I pray a blessing, God, just as Jesus broke the loaves and the fish, and ask for your blessing. God, we ask a blessing over our baskets. Multiply them, grow them, and use us to use them for your good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You, you, it's enough. He, he's enough, right? Let's look at that last point. So as we studied all through that, did Jesus really do anything supernatural, something that we can't do? He did common things. He asked them if they believed. He, he laid hands on that's exactly what we can do. We can believe, we, have to lay, we can lay hands, we can speak it in faith. So Jesus did common things, but the thing that wasn't common was his faith and expectation. And so don't look past the mundane things of your faith. Doing your quiet time, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you do. Don't look past those things and just going through the motions. Because it was Jesus' faith and expectation of what would happen was the supernatural thing. And so if you're just going through those things, you don't have hope, you don't have expectation, you don't have faith, that anything's going to change, you'll have what you say. And that leads into my last point. Small faith says you can have whatever you say. Small faith says you can have whatever you say. And you can do whatever Jesus did. We've already read it. Jesus says we can, right? And even greater things. Because nothing is impossible to those who believe. Somebody say believe. So what do you believe this morning? I know some of y'all might leave here... Uh, today, and as soon as you get in the car, you may think, man, that was weird today. Praying over my hands like that and touching my eyes. And you may get a thought. 
That ain't going to work. That ain't going to do anything. Nothing's going to change. Rebuke those thoughts in Jesus' name. You have to have faith. Do you believe that you maybe could get healed right here in the sanctuary this morning? And that, that healing and restoration can take place. If you believe it, you can have it. Mark eleven twenty three. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Right there, he will have whatever he says. So we can have what we say. If, if you want to stay stuck in despair and depression, you can stay stuck there. And I'm not saying as believers that we don't experience those things because we do. We, we're human. But what, it's sad if we stay there and we give up faith and we give up hope. And so you have to, you have, to have enough faith to begin to speak and declare the things that maybe you don't have Speak them into existence because you can have them if you say them. You can have what you say. Nothing might change physically in that moment, but spiritually a shift can happen. Your heart can be, can be made healed. Sometimes you just got to crawl into the, your daddy's lap and get a big hug from God the Father, and he'll tell you it's all right. And that's exactly what the enemy does not want you to do. He wants to keep you stuck and down and depressed in despair. And so, let's focus on, on Him and trust Him, right? And His promises. And all you have to do is believe. John 14, 12, I'll say it one more time. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Y'all, we can't replace Jesus. I'm not trying to say that we can be better or greater than Jesus. We need Jesus, okay? There's only one. And we need faith in him to do these supernatural things, to do the supernatural works. We have to have faith in him. And it's just the faith of a mustard seed. That's it. If you're here this morning in the sanctuary, God's obviously already doing something in your life. You have enough faith to believe whatever it is you, you're believing for. All you have to do is believe, amen? I want to ask everybody just to uh, bow your heads and, and close your eyes. And, uh, I hope you all have really been challenged, maybe enjoyed this message. It's really uh, challenged me. Uh, it's been a great message. And so I just really want to seal that work over us as we're dismissed and also give an altar call too. Uh, so Father God, Lord, we, uh, we love you. God, we thank you. I thank you for this message and this word. God, that you don't call us to have more faith or a bigger faith, God. You call us to have just enough faith and to believe in the right things. Uh, and that you can, those things can happen, and those things, impossible things can happen for us. God, as we prayed over ourselves and we did things out of the box by faith today, Lord, I just, I seal those things, those works. God, if blind spots have been revealed to us, we've been able to see clearer. God, our freedom has taken place. God, our storm's been calmed. God, that they stay that way as we leave here. God, in that Holy Spirit, you speak to our hearts and to our minds that something real can and will happen to those who believe. And we can have what we say we can have by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you're here this morning, uh, and maybe, you know, we've been talking about Jesus all morning. Maybe you've never made that decision. We call it being born again or getting saved, making a commitment to God, saying, you know what? It's basically just saying, you know what? I'm done fighting and, f and arguing with you, God, and I'm done doing it my way. I want to trust you with my life, and not just my life here on earth, but my, my afterlife. 
Uh, there's a place called heaven, there's a place called hell, and if you die without Jesus in this place, then you will suffer an, an, a second death in hell. And I, I don't want to see anybody go there. So if you're here this morning and God's speaking to you today, and you know it's, you, you know He is, because you just, you feel it. And if you want to change your life today, getting born again or getting saved, I want to ask you right now just to stand up where you're at. Everyone's praying. No one's looking at you. This is your moment, your moment between you and God. And you can get born again. You can get saved by the blood of Christ today. And your life can, it can change for the better in Jesus' name. I'll give you a few more seconds. Don't let this day go by if that's you. And with that, I'm just going to go ahead and pray one more time. Father God, Lord, we thank you. We can't say it enough. Lord, we love you. Uh, God, I ask as we go and dismiss today and have popsicles on our way out, finish up the rest of our holiday weekend, God, that we, uh, we be thankful and we see how blessed we really are and we be thankful for the nation that we have. God, that would do something on the inside of us. God, to rise up and not just stand for you, God, but stand for what's right and stand for our, our cities and our states and our nation. God, because there is no greater nation on earth. Lord, so we thank you for that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.